Today's session is going to be a wonderful opportunity for me to catch up with my friend Aniruddha Malpani of Malpani Ventures in India. We have known each other for a very long time and uh, share a lot of the values of how companies are built, how, um, you know, how to start, especially how to do the startup journey, the early stage of the startup journey. And Aniruddha is a very experienced uh, angel investor in the Indian ecosystem for a very long time. Welcome. It's very nice to see you. Hi, it's such a pleasure to be here. You know, I've, I've been one of your fans for a very, very long time. I think <laughs> yeah. you're one of those voices of sanity in the startup ecosystem globally. Such a pleasure to talk to you. So, Aniruddha, let's catch up a bit and on what has been going on in our collective universes and how you see the world based on all these years of observing the ecosystem. How do you see, um, how do you see the Indian startup ecosystem evolving? I think it's been extremely exciting. Uh, I've been doing this now for 10 years, actually even longer, but it's now we're a lot more formal about it. So we actually have a structure. Uh, it's an extended part of our family office, which does only startup investment. So we actually have a team of equity analysts. And I always tell people, they're the ones who need to do the hard work, the due diligence, get the MISs, quiz the entrepreneurs. My job is easy. I just need to sign the checks. So, uh, you know, so and I, I, I always tell them I'm only going to measure my investments, not in terms of a financial return on investment, but did I learn something as a result of this engagement? And I think one of the beauties about being an angel investor is because it's your own money, you really don't need to answer to anyone else. I only need to answer to my wife and she's been married to me for too long to do anything too much, irrespective of what happens to the startup space. And I, I think she has realistic expectations. I tell her the only money I will invest in the startup space is money we can afford to lose without losing any sleepover. So, so I think that's that's been exciting. So talk to me a little bit about what you have invested in in the last 10 years of doing this that um, you think are interesting in the broader context also is that you you invested you learned something from it and and this is what is the broader implication of it that's the analysis i'm looking for you know, Shaman, i'll tell you one thing these startups i learned the most from are the ones which fail because they tell you exactly what you shouldn't be doing and i think that is learning and whether we like it or not no matter how many books you read and no matter how many videos you watch or podcasts you listen to I think I think learning needs to be experiential learning. And when you actually lose money on an entrepreneur or a startup, that's stuff which sticks with you. And that's why I keep on telling people, I've become incrementally smarter. Of course, I make mistakes, but I pride myself on not repeating the same mistakes. So in the beginning, I think a lot of it was extremely casual. Yeah, I like the way this guy looks. Let me just go ahead and fund him. And I think now we're a little more structured. And quite frankly, we're looking for entrepreneurs who understand the value we bring to the table. And that's one of the reasons why we invest a lot of time in what I call information therapy for entrepreneurs. The reality is, the Indian startup ecosystem is still relatively immature. And I think a big problem is we're really trying to ape what's happening in Silicon Valley, which I think doesn't make any sense to me. Part of the reason, of course, is a lot of the funding for the startup ecosystem comes from VCs. 
who will pretty much use the Silicon Valley playbook because it's worked so well in Silicon Valley. And part of what we're trying to do is saying, yes, you know, that's definitely one way of building the business, but that's not necessarily the best way. And that's something which we've learned, that we need entrepreneurs who are willing to play the long game, who are not looking for, you know, I need an exit, I need to get out, how quickly can I grow this business? We're looking for people who care more about their users rather than their investors. And it's not always easy to find them, Shaman. So um, let's get into the specifics. Um, I think structure is good. I'm, I'm of the opinion, having done this for a long time and having you know, analyzed this ecosystem for a long time, is that uh, people should have, investors should have investment thesis. Investors yes. shouldn't be shooting from the hip. And, and those who do, don't do very well, I think. So, so what, how do you frame the investment thesis that you have created for Malpani Ventures? And let me be very specific. What stage-wise, how do you define when you want to get in? What size checks do you want to write? And what do you want to see in the company before you write that check? So let's focus on that part of the structure first. Great. So we are very transparent and open because we want the entrepreneurs to be transparent, which is why we spell out our investment thesis very clearly on our website. And whenever anyone reaches out to us, we say, please check our investment thesis and make sure that we're the right investors for you. Because often we're going to be right for a particular kind of entrepreneur, not necessarily for all. So we're actually looking for startups and we have certain guidelines. Someone who has paying customers, because our preference is for someone who's bootstrapped, someone who's proven that they're adding value to the customer's life in the form, the fact that the They've achieved traction. They've got product market fit. And now they're using our money in order to be able to grow. It's a very conservative mindset. And quite frankly, Shamana, it's not like we don't break our rules. We bend them. You know, the good thing about making your own rules is you can. And every once in a while, you'll fall in love with an entrepreneur who doesn't perhaps fit your sweet spot, but you're willing to take a leap of faith. But I think yeah. one big advantage of being very transparent about our thesis is it saves entrepreneurs a lot of time. They can pretty much make out, you know, are these the right guys for us? And if they are, and we very clearly define what our process is, what our timeline is. We you know, Anirudha, one of the observations I have about our ecosystem, and by our ecosystem, I mean the global startup ecosystem, is that this position of looking for paying customers is not at all unusual. I would say the vast majority of investors are looking for paying customers at this point. Why? Because it has become so much easier to bootstrap companies, right? It's cheaper to bootstrap companies. And, and there's a lot of methodology and a lot of knowledge about how to bootstrap a company. So, so I think uh, the point that you're making of wanting to see validated companies that already have product market fit and customers is it does not come to anybody as a surprise at this stage of the game. Maybe it did at one point, but not anymore. Now, what size checks are we talking about? What, you know, when you say paying customers, are we talking about one or two paying customers? Are we talking about a certain MRR, ARR? What, um, and, and correspondingly, what is the check size that you're looking okay. to write? So, you know, Samana, I, I do my check sizes in Indian rupees. So, which is why we talk about a check size of between one to two crores. 
okay. I think if I'm not making a mistake, that roughly translates to something like about two hundred thousand dollars. We're very comfortable with writing the entire check. We're very comfortable with being the only person who's writing the check. We're not looking for someone else to lead it. But to your point, yeah. Shamana, you'll be quite surprised. Because the way the startup ecosystem in India has been built up, a lot of entrepreneurs think the first thing you need to do when you want to do a startup is prepare a business plan and send it out to investors with the hope that they're going to fund you. And I know. This, problem... is, uh, this has been, as you know, my beef for many, many, many years. And uh, I've tried to teach the entrepreneurship ecosystem that this doesn't work. And, and I'm still trying to teach the People don't want to listen to that, Shamana. They don't want to listen. Because so yeah. much of the startup media is let's be honest, you know, a lot of it is funded by VCs. A lot of it yes. consists of press releases, which are issued by VCs. And all of it right. are going to be funding rounds. We raised so much. This is yeah. what we did. These are two kids from Stanford who've got nothing at all. And, you know, they've raised so much money. So that seems to be the entire flavor. And I have yeah. to spend a lot of time educating people. It corrupts the ecosystem. It corrupts the young entrepreneur mindset. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and know, it's uh, not... what, about, what about sector? Speaking of structure in your investment thesis, what sectors do you like to invest in? You are personally a doctor, so is there is healthcare part of your investment thesis? Is fintech you know, your investment okay, thesis? So, what are you doing? So the, the nice thing about being an angel is you can you know you can invest in any sector you want. You're not answerable to LPs about this is what we're going to invest in or not. And often, like I said before, if the entrepreneur comes up with something interesting, we will. So we've invested in fintech. We've invested in healthcare. We've invested in education. My soft corner is for social impact startups because I think they're the ones who can actually make a difference. But coming okay. back to healthcare, because I'm a physician, I'm actually very reluctant to invest in healthcare companies because I know mm -hmm. how messed up the entire healthcare system is. So yeah. you know, whether you're trying to sell to physicians or anyone else. So I'm pretty skeptical about a lot of that stuff. But if I find an entrepreneur and we have healthcare investments, for example, we have one called Buybox. Uh, we have one called Biomonita. So a lot of these are right across the spectrum. And in fact, one of them is someone you know, Shamana. This was Ava's app, which actually created oh, yeah. the app. This is Ajit yeah. Narayan who made the app for autistic kids. So there is a little bit of overlap, yes. So we won't say no to anyone based on you know their sector. But there's a lot of stuff we don't understand. I'm a frugal investor. So I don't think mm -hmm. the DTC space is going to be right for us because typically the amount of money you need in order to create a brand is enormous. So yeah. that's so B two B SaaS is a good space for you. FinTech B two B FinTech is a good space for you. Yes, yeah. absolutely. But we won't say no to anyone. We'll say, look, you know, if you think you're fit, tell us why you think you're fit, and if it does, then we're happy to talk to them. You know, one thing I would say, Shamana, you often get to learn a lot more from the entrepreneurs who are operating in domains, which I know very little about. And like I said before, I don't want to just measure my return on investment in how much money I made. It's also, you know, I learned so much more about a lot of this stuff. So for example, the FinTech space, so much of it is happening. A lot of it is stuff which I don't understand. There's a lot happening. We have very, very interesting FinTech stuff in our portfolio at the moment that we are going to soon raise money for. Yeah, but uh, I have you know, when you have skin in the game as an investor, you need to learn, you need to figure out what's happening. So it's no longer a detached kind of textbook learning. You know, you need to, are we, are we positioned right? Let's, let's take those two sectors, Anirudha, the SaaS sector and the FinTech sector. In SaaS, of course, the metric is MRR. Do you yes. have a particular metric that you 
measure by uh, when you're doing your SaaS investments? No, we. You know, I think numbers are very hard. Keeping customers in some product market fit. Yeah, you know, numbers can be easily gamed and they're often not very necessarily representative. And a lot of the bet, as you very well know, is going to be on the entrepreneur. So we don't kind of say, hey, you know, you don't have this MRR and therefore we're not going to look at you. As long as he has a plausible story and he can convince us, we're more than happy to look at these investments. Okay. And uh, the same is true then for FinTech. It's not a financial metric. It's more like you want the qualitative, you want product market fit and you want qualitative fit with the entrepreneur. Yeah, and you know, some of them pleasantly surprise you and they do far better than you think they would. And of course, you will also have those ones who thought you would, they would do very well and they don't end up doing very well. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm very forgiving these days about, you know, the way some of these startups evolve because startups are complex adaptive systems, Shamana. So we kind of take the attitude that, you know, we're here to help you grow. If you reach out, we'll be happy to help. Some of them do and some of them don't. Right. Now, what... Um... What is your relationship with the the venture ecosystem that comes after the angel investment? The the traditional venture ecosystem is chasing unicorns. Is you know, actually these days in India, the amount of capital going into companies is mind-boggling, really mind-boggling. So. Um, so what, what? How do you interface? Do you exit into these VCs? Do you you know, how, how do you feel about it? You know, I think that's great. I think it's great that they're pumping in all this money because automatically what happens is you're going to have a lot of very young, bright people who instead of ending up doing a job in some large multinational corporation, which is what the dream was 20 years ago, they'll say, hey, we're smart. We'd rather want to do a startup. As a result of which, the number of entrepreneurs who are coming up with startup ideas is great. As a result of which, the deal flow has also definitely increased because they need to start somewhere. But I'll be honest with you, Shamana. Do I understand anything about these valuations and why VCs pump so much money and why these valuations magically go up every six months or 12 months, none of which makes any sense to me? I don't even try to pretend for it to make sense. My thesis is that I don't have that kind of money. But if I need to make money in the startup space, I need to do two things. I need to be contrarian and I need to be right. So therefore, we're quite happy with taking contrarian bets and putting money in startups, which VCs aren't interested in right now because these aren't hot areas. But the hope is that at some point, if these startups continue growing well because of the capital we've given them, at some point, two years, three years, four years down the road, they'll find themselves in that sweet spot where VCs will come to them and say, hey, you guys have done a good job. You obviously have so much domain expertise. Yeah. You have paying yeah. customers and they'll pump it. But that's not something, it's not something we're trying to push to VCs. And my thesis is if you build a good business, you'll automatically pull that attention. But at that point, when your company, the, a company, let's say you've invested in, has spent two, three years executing well and becomes attractive to VCs, do you then exit your portion or do you stay in the deal? You know, if I had a choice, quite frankly, I would want to stay because obviously you want to be nurturing that company all the way till it exits. But often sometimes entrepreneurs will tell us, you know, I want you off the cap table or this is one of the conditions of the VCUs coming in. They want a significant secondary sale and we will do what is in the entrepreneur's best interests. And okay. we've had this happen where the entrepreneur said, look, you know, there are big boys coming in. Would you be willing to exit? And we say, okay, fair enough, if that's what you want. So at least yeah. at some point, Shamana, 
I think the good thing about being an angel investor and having white hair is I care more about my reputation and my legacy more than just a financial return. And I think that's something which sometimes entrepreneurs don't understand, the difference between angel investors and VCs. Because there's so much blurring. It's like I said, it's an immature ecosystem. And we spend a lot of time in what I call information therapy. You know, there are uh, just, you know, talking to you, we've, we're talking after quite a while, so it's actually wonderful to exchange notes. Uh, there are a couple of things you've said in this conversation so far that I want to underscore for our audience. One is the importance of failure. You know, Indian ecosystem did not accept failures for a long time. And it's one of the big changes that are happening, the societal level change, cultural level change, where it's okay to fail. You do a startup and the startup doesn't work. You fail as an entrepreneur. You are not penalized. VCs actually, you know, when I was a very long time ago, when I was a young entrepreneur, and I used to talk to a lot of investors all the time, I still do, but at that time it was a different conversation. And, um, and they would say, you know, we love entrepreneurs who have failed once and are doing it again because they have learned a lot of the lessons that I, otherwise they would be learning as first-time entrepreneurs on my dime. Well, this is a profound truth that I think is deeply underappreciated. Somebody who has tried it once and failed has already done a lot of learning on somebody else's dime. So it's a prized commodity for investors. So that's one that's on your failure point. And then um, on the on the point of you know small frugal investment, maybe making contrarian bets or earlier bets than before the you know venture ecosystem catches up with it with a trend. I think um, the exit story in the Indian startup ecosystem has become smoother. Remember ten years ago, even you know, five, seven years ago, exits were not yet happening really in the Indian ecosystem. And that was creating a lot of heartburn in angel investors in particular who investing their own money and sitting there and, and there's no liquidity for, for a very long time. That was causing a lot of heartburn. I remember I used to talk with Charad Sharma quite a bit at the time and he was like, Sharma, if you can help us with exits, that would make the biggest difference. So I think that situation has improved. I, we've had exits in our portfolio. We've had a number of exits. And, um, and then, of course, there's the Freshworks IPO, which is a big, very traditional venture capital deal, right? Freshworks is a very traditional venture capital deal. It's a concept arbitrage on a concept that was already successful in the U.S., done in, made in Chennai, financed, lavishly financed. And it's like a textbook venture capital deal, and that has also succeeded. So, so my view of the venture ecosystem or the startup ecosystem in India is that all of these models need to succeed. Bootstrapping to exit needs to succeed. You know, early angel investors who have put in all the hard work for several years need to find their exit, and if that exit is into a venture capital round, that's fine. But but that, you know, all that needs to flow, you know? And that, I think the maturity, yes, Indian ecosystem is still somewhat immature, but there's been a lot of building blocks, a lot of jigsaw puzzle blocks are starting to fall into place. 
And that is very satisfying to see. I actually, I completely agree with you. And we've seen the change over the last 10 years because a lot of these words were very new. People didn't understand. Some people couldn't even pronounce what an entrepreneur was. And it's become, you know, even if the son-in-law says, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, uh, a father-in-law will say, hey, that's not too bad. You know, otherwise it used to be a time as what is a startup and why you're doing this? And yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. There are going to be multiple kinds of exit and every exit actually emboldens new entrepreneurs. It's a validation that this is something which can continue to grow. And we definitely need lots of success stories. Having said this, I don't think we should gloss over our failures. And we also need to tell and remind entrepreneurs, this can be a lonely journey. It can be very difficult. And what we're trying to emphasize is what I call resilience. And that's one advantage of being a doctor, Shamana. As a doctor, you have to be empathetic. You have to understand what your patients are going through. And I think that's what we try to do. We explain to entrepreneurs, look, we're on your side. We understand there'll be sleepless nights, but we want to be treated as a partner. And if you do that, I think, you know, we can do a lot of good stuff. And especially for the social impact space, Samana, I think it's, you know, when you're building for Bharat, your requirements are so much. And this is a space which everyone's going to pretty much neglect. Because no matter what people may talk about the bottom of the pyramid, it's not very easy to figure out how you're going to be able to make money off it. And that's something which I'm hopeful about. So hopefully when we have a conversation four years from now, I can tell you, hey, this is the difference we made to the country, the human capital of this country. That's. I think in general, um, the, the very top uh, piece of the pyramid is where most of the action has been. The game changer a few years ago was the introduction of GEO. Yes. That, that opened up a channel through which the next level of customers could be reached. Otherwise, we were, you know, the whole venture ecosystem was focused on that tip of the pyramid, economic pyramid, maybe 100 million customers, 100 million consumers, and that's it. Uh, now, and, and even I remember when we were looking at companies that were catering to the Indian SMBs, people, VCs were not interested in that because it's too slow, too high tax, et cetera, et cetera. That is also starting to change a bit. I think the Indian SMBs are starting to learn how to consume technology more effectively, more seamlessly, and, and it's becoming, you know, you can build a faster growth business in the Indian SMB space as well. So, uh, so those are good good movements. Where do you see the immaturity? You've said many times the ecosystem is still immature. Can you underscore the points where you you see the Indian ecosystem still needing, you know, significant more uh, maturity and evolution? I I think sometimes it's the unrealistic expectation on the part of entrepreneurs partly because they don't understand the grind which startups need to go through. And a lot of the diet which they're fed on is either the Silicon Valley success stories or the Indian success stories, as a result of which they don't understand sometimes the emotional angst which you need to go through. So that worries me a little bit. I'll tell you another thing which worries me a little bit, Shamana, is also the fact that there are investors who start thinking about, hey, startups are a great alternative asset class and it's a quick way to make money as a result of which now you have a lot of these angel investor networks, which is great because there's more capital flowing and this is sticky capital because it's Indian capital. It's not gonna run away somewhere else. It's not electronic money or electronic hard. But the problem is that like you quite correctly said, you're not gonna get quick exits. This is something which you may not get an exit for five years or six years. 
And I think unless angel investors are educated and understand that this is this is a long game which everyone is playing. And unfortunately, Shamana, no one wants to get rich slowly. Everyone wants to get rich quick. And for some reason, everyone's positioning the startup system as this is a place where, you know, you can make lots of money. And I think sometimes, you know, I sound like a bit of a crackpot, but I tell everyone, you know, I'm not a dinosaur. I may look like one, but I've been there, done that. And you've got to be careful. You know, people will keep on tom-tomming their success stories. Hey, I made so much money so quickly. But the reality is those are the outliers. You need someone who's patient. And the good thing, Shamana, is because in the public markets, I'm a value investor. I understand that some of these things are going to take time. Overnight success stories take 10 years. No one talks about the first nine years because the press doesn't care. And then by the time you're successful, you have a big PR team, which is spinning a completely different story, which is completely disconnected from reality. So that bothers me a little bit. Yeah, you know, one case study that um, we teach in 1 million by 1 million is a company called Tabula. Tabula did no revenue for the first five years. In the sixth year, I think they did 1 million. In the, or five, for the first four years, no revenue. Fifth year, 1 million. Sixth year, 100 million. Ooh. Company went public here. So, you know, it takes a lot of nerve to do something for a long period of time based on conviction. And it takes a long time, uh, it takes a lot for investors to support that kind of a journey. You don't see that very often. People pull the plug very easily. People are very trigger happy, you know. I think what you're saying is so right. And that's partly some of the misconceptions, partly because like you quite correctly said, the stories get so distorted. And I think that's what exponential growth is all about. That for the first few years, everything happens below the curve. So you don't even understand what's happening. But if you have that patience, perseverance, and you think you've taken the right bet, and you don't get sleepless nights, you don't keep on harassing the entrepreneur about what's happening, you've not met your deadlines, you've not grown as much as you have, I think, you know, it's still okay to say, yes, this is something which will take time. But when it actually starts growing, it'll do it very well because you built a solid foundation. Yeah. I would love to do a deal with you, Aniruddha. I have one question, actually, on, as I'm thinking in my head about... Uh, about that, if you have to syndicate around, let's say you know you put in 200 to 400k. Um, let's say we want to raise a million dollar or two million dollar round. Who are angel investors that you like to work with who share your values? I think that's such a great question, Shamana. So I should be very clear up front that my sweet spot is investing in Indian startups. And mm -hmm. as a result of which, therefore, I don't understand too much about startups in other parts of the world. Some of these Indian startups happen to be. No, in, yeah, no, and some of them okay. are headquartered in Singapore or Delaware or whatever, but they're still solving Indian problems. And what we tell entrepreneurs is I'm quite happy to be the lead. As far as the rest of it is, we also think it's the responsibility of the entrepreneurs to decide whom he wants on his cap table. So therefore, we tell them, this is what our philosophy is. This is what we're looking for. And ideally, we're looking for people who understand the importance of social impact, who understand that it's patient capital. So I can't really tell you names of the top of my head because we've had different people. So we've invested, okay. for example, within Mumbai Angels. We've invested in one crowd. We've invested along with other platforms. And we think as long as the entrepreneur is able to stitch the deal together, and if what he's looking for is a lead investor and we're convinced, we're happy to sign the first check. And then we're quite happy for him to fill it up because we don't want to burden him 
with investors who we think are great investors, but you know, the chemistry may not be right and he may not be happy with that. I'm a big believer in letting entrepreneurs run their business. Does that make sense? I get sense? the idea. I mean, we, we have relationships with Mumbai Angels and all of those Indian Angel yes. Network and all of that. So uh, I think we have very interesting companies that are in solving India-facing problems. We have a really, really interesting fintech company, India-facing fintech company right now. So we'll see. Let me uh, work on it a little bit more and then I'll, I'll uh I always tell people as a doctor, I would never invest professional income in a startup because that's hard earned income. You know, as a doctor, you're a daily wage earner. But because I've been an investor in the public markets in India for so long now, and the public markets have been so kind, I think now my appetite for signing bigger checks and more checks has increased dramatically over the last four or five years simply because the markets have done so well. So my net wealth has increased. So we're willing to take bigger bets, write more checks, try out stuff which you perhaps weren't comfortable with. But I'm comfortable with now because of all the experiences and the mistakes we've made in the past. So it's actually much easier for us to say yes and no because we kind of understand. And we take pride in saying no quickly. And when we say yes, we try to take our time so we understand that the entrepreneur should see value in having a check from us. We're not just financiers, Shamana. Does he think that we'll be able to help him grow? And if he does, we're happy to sign checks. Sounds good. All right. It's very nice to catch up with you on your reserve. Hopefully, uh, we'll touch base soon. Yes, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to sign some deals together because I look yes. forward to I look forward to learning a lot from you. You know, not just on the podcasts and not just in your books and your videos, but actually having you know, you teach the entrepreneur. So I think that'll be an exciting journey. You know, it's it's very interesting how some entrepreneurs absorb like sponges and some just don't listen. So <laughs> I'm sure you see the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I tell the kind of entrepreneur I'm looking for is someone who's happy to teach me because learning is high on my agenda. The world is a fascinating, exciting, interesting place. And as an IVF specialist, you have a lot of domain expertise and deep depth. But, you know, a lot of the other stuff is not something which is part of your daily life. So I get to learn. But someone who's willing to teach and someone who's willing to learn. Because you're fair enough. You know, I may not know much about algorithms and I may not know much about ML. But we do know a little bit about how healthy businesses should be run. So I think it's that relationship where if you have that mutual respect and trust that the entrepreneurs know that, you know, I have your back and I will do what's right for you. That's the kind of entrepreneur. So that even if that first startup fails and he starts a second one, He'll come to us for the first check. And right. I say, okay, we've done, we've done right. a good job. Well, very nice to see you again. Thank you for coming. We'll see okay. you soon. Bye. Good to see you again. Take care, Shamana. Bye-bye.